testing. Hey guys, this is Rich Outfield, and you're listening to the Rich Outcast. And uh, this, I guess, will be kind of an experiment. A year ago, I had my recorder with me. Well, I had it in my backpack. And I went on a bike ride by myself, and I decided I would ride all the way to the lake, which is, boy, I think I measured it one time. It's, it's, it's not far. It's like three and a half miles or something like that. Is that not far? That seems far. But you ride all the way to the lake and then you ride all the way back. That's like seven miles. That, that's pretty good. But what happened was as I was riding back, I hit something, whether it was a sticker or a pin or nail or what, and I blew out my rear tire. Uh, well, when I say blew out, I was losing air in the tire and it was harder and harder to pedal and finally... It was so flat that I couldn't ride on it anymore. It was just, I had to push it. I pushed it for a mile or so, and then I was just sick of it. I couldn't push it. Well, I could. I just didn't want to push it anymore. And so I found a, there was a little vacant lot that was super, super overgrown and just waiting for a lit cigarette to start the whole thing on fire and what I did was I, I, I pushed the bike all the way into the bushes there away from the road and then I walked the rest of the way home and I you know I got some good exercise and it probably would have been better exercise to continue pushing the darn bike uh, but I didn't want to do it anymore and to pass the time for the next couple of miles I got my recorder out and I recorded a podcast it was going to be for you guys where I was saying, what is the over and under on that bike still being there when I come back? Because this is not a good neighborhood. And like I said, it was just a vacant lot. And anybody could have seen me do that. And I started becoming paranoid that my bike would be stolen. And I talked about like my motivation for buying that bike and that I would miss that bike if it were not there. But that this would be an in, a very interesting podcast. Me setting this up and then recording the, the result. I got home, I got my dad's pickup truck, and I emptied out the back of the pickup truck, and it's always full of fishing stuff, always. And when I say full, I mean so full that it is difficult to fit anything in the back of the truck. I had a storage container, you know, one of those tubs that I had filled with action figures and sodas and food to take to the cabin because, well, I, I will explain, it's winter now and I knew my car would probably not make it to the cabin in snow, but I knew my dad's truck would. <laughs> and when I took this tub out to put in the back of the truck, it wouldn't fit. There was so much stuff that the entire bed of the truck was filled with chairs and sleeping bags and fishing poles and tackle boxes and nets and goodness knows what else. And that, that made me kind of disgusted because it's not my brother-in-law's truck. But, and it's not mine either, don't, don't get me wrong. It's just, you know, my, my dad died and we 
have a truck that's essentially my mom's truck, but we have one for when people need to use a truck. Anyhow, I am sorry. What I did on that run last year, run, I, I, I did run for some of it, which I'm sure made for even more entertaining podcasting. I got the truck, I emptied it out so that I could fit a bicycle in the back. And then I drove back to the vacant lot and the bike was still there. And I went out and grabbed the bike and put it back in the truck. And I just felt like I had wasted my time. I felt stupid. This wasn't worth podcasting about. The bike was not stolen. I had done all this worrying for nothing. So I never put out that podcast. I never recorded a second half where I revealed what had happened. This is the first you're hearing of it. And I figured this would be something like that. So this is the first half where I set up the problem. And then later today, I will tell you what happened. Uh, and yeah, if I were really creative, really ambitious, I'd have some little thing in the middle, like me sitting down and reading a short story or something like that. And then you get the rest of what happened with the truck. But anyhow, I drove up yesterday and it was the earliest I've driven up by myself ever because See, I, I have a weekend in the middle of the week, uh, like Wednesday and Thursday are my Saturday and Sunday, essentially. And I have this tradition of meeting my cousin for lunch on Wednesdays, Wednesday afternoon. And then after we've eaten lunch, I go to the cabin. And so it's always about two, three, sometimes four that I get here. And there was one time that he couldn't do lunch with me. And I think I got here at like two. But I left fairly early yesterday so that I would have a full day here at the cabin. And uh, it had been very rainy and very cold, unseasonably cold at home last week. And I was warned that if it's rainy there, it is snowy here. And that the cabin may well be inaccessible and that uh, it's going to be miserable cold. But I had looked at the forecast. I had looked to see what I could look forward to up here and it seemed like during the day at least it would be in the 50s here and the 50s is too warm for snow uh, so I came anyway I really wanted to come I couldn't come this week when I normally do and it's probably good because that's when it was snowing but I I had a day when I thought that I could and so I said that's my cabin day and as soon as I got up well, I, I, I meant to get up early, get in the truck and drive away, but I did a tiny little bit of work, it took me a half hour or so. And then I, I loaded into the truck and I drove and I was, yeah, anticipating it and everything was fine. There was a tiny bit of snow in the mountains when I was driving through the canyon, but not enough that you would worry. And I got through the canyon and then you go down into this deep valley it, when I say deep it's you know it's downhill enough that you don't have to hit the gas at all uh, and everything opens up and you can see for miles and miles sometimes there are sheep there grazing and you have to drive very slow there because the sheep will get on the road but there was nothing there was nobody I drove through the valley and then there's a pull-off a turn-off where there's a little pond the lake, I guess. I, I, my nephew always calls it the 
small pond because the, it's at the entrance to this area. There is a dirt road that goes up the hill and eventually gets to the big lake, which is essentially a reservoir. It's it, where the farmers get their irrigation water, that sort of thing, the farmers in the, the valley. But it had not been plowed. It was just snow. And I was worried because it was uphill. But, you know, I'm in a pickup truck. It's going to do stuff that my little car is not going to do. And as I started to go up the hill, yeah, the back of the truck was fishtailing. And yeah, there were a couple of moments where I was just like, oh no, I'm not getting up here. But I shifted into first and I gave it a lot of gas and would roll back and go forward. And then eventually I got past the, the sharpest part. And once I did that, I was okay as long as I was still going forward. But it was not easy. The truck did not have a good time going up this hill. I stayed in first gear the whole time. And when I would shift into second gear, it seemed to be more problematic. So I just stayed in first gear and eventually a white truck, like a four by four or something pulled up behind me. And I could tell that he was just like, geez, this guy's going five miles an hour. Come on. But there was, there was nothing I could do. It was a dirt road. He had to just stay behind me. And luckily there was a turnoff and he went one way and I went the other way. But by the time I got to the turnoff, uh, things were a little bit more level and I was able to go just fine. Okay, good. There's a gate at the reservoir. I went through the gate. And yeah, just there, just snow uh, and not a lot of it. And I was surprised when I rolled down my window to open the gate that it, it was not freezing cold. It was in the upper 40s, I think. I drove here to where the cabin is, and then there is a driveway. And I spent a lot of this summer putting gravel on the driveway. Not that you would know because it was covered in snow. And I tried to pull the truck up onto the driveway, and it wouldn't go. The, the back tires just spun. And I thought, oh, shoot, this is weird. And I can't leave the truck in the road because people have to be able to drive through. And so I eventually I backed down that side of the driveway and I got the truck turned around and I went backwards to the other side of the driveway because the other side was less steep. And on the steep side, I think I got the truck about eight feet, maybe 10 feet before it wouldn't go any further. And that just wasn't enough to not block the road. But on this other side, I got the truck up about 15 feet maybe even more than that, before the tires started to spin and it wouldn't go any farther. And I said, okay, that's fine, fine. I put on the emergency brake and I parked. <laughs> I parked the truck there. I got everything out and I sort of just hiked up the driveway through the snow. There were no track. Well, there, I, I think that there were some deer tracks, but there were no human tracks. It took me three trips. So there, there were plenty of tracks by the time I had gotten the stuff out of the truck. I left the truck there. Uh, I came inside. It was colder inside the cabin than it was outside, which is a really strange phenomenon. But I, I got the gas going. Uh, luckily, the sun was shining, so there's plenty of electricity. And I built a fire, and it went out. Oh, boy, I'm the worst at building fires. I probably said that before. 
But later in the day, I did it again. I had brought a bunch of cardboard with me from the house. That was another thing that I put in that big tub. I had been opening a bunch of carded action figures like on Wednesday or something like that. And instead of throwing away all the cards, I kept them because I thought cardboard burns really, really well. And so I made this big bed of cardboard and then I put kindling on top of that. I got it started. Kindling started burning really well. I put a log in and it actually caught fire the first time the fire just kind of sniffed at the log and said, I'm not having anything to do with you. And once I had that fire going, uh, it was pretty nice. It was, it was warm and yet it was still warmer outside. Even with a fire going in the stove, it was warmer outside than it was in the cabin. And so for an hour or so, I took a chair out onto the deck where the sun was shining and read. And it was nice. I didn't need a blanket. I had my long sleeve shirt on, but I didn't have a jacket on. Uh, and it got up to about 55 outside. But in that little area where the sun was shining and it was reflecting off the wooden slats, whatever you call the, what the deck is made of, floor, I guess, it was nice. It was comfortable. And all the while, there was the big, heavy, loud sound of ice, frozen snow on the roof, starting to melt and breaking off and sliding down the tin roof. And it was louder inside the cabin than it was outside the cabin. Tin is a very reverberant, if that's a word, material. And uh, after I had been reading out in the sun for a while, I started getting sleepy. But the sound, whoom, thump, was loud enough that I, I never could quite fall asleep. And I came in here and wanted to, to record a story. But it, it sounded like giants throwing cinder blocks on the roof. It was that loud. That was the sound of one just now. Not very loud, but like a, a rim shot. Just, just as I mentioned it. There you go. A few hours later, it, the sun was about to go down. You know, the light had changed. It was no longer warm outside. Night was falling and night falls fast up here because there are all these trees and, and it has been my tradition, not just this year, but last year as well. But most, mo uh, every single time I come to the cabin, before the sun goes down, I will drive to the dam that goes over the reservoir and I will park. I will run from one end of the dam to the other. So it counts as a run. Uh, the, the elevation is super high up here, and so it's hard to run. Uh, it, it's, it's good exercise, I'm sure someone would tell me. Or they would say, you idiot, you don't run way up in high elevation. What are you, Sylvester Stallone and Rocky Four? Then I will check my messages. I will check whether there are texts or emails. And usually I will watch a YouTube video, and then it is dark and I will drive back and commence my evening. And this trip, I wasn't going to do that, mostly because of the snow. I was worried. I, I, I drove the truck up as high as it would go, right? And 
you know, why play with, with fate? But at the last minute, there's still some orange left in the sky. I was just like, oh, what the hey? I will go to the dam. I'll check my messages. I'll let my mom know that I made it to the cabin because she worries. And she often says, you know, you didn't tell me that you made it home from the cabin, okay? So I was worried. And that is nice, I guess. Maybe embarrassing to tell you, but I thought about that and I thought, gosh, I wonder if she's worried because, you know, there's snow up here and it's cold and I should at least tell her that I'm okay. So I went down and as I said, it had warmed up. It was about 55 degrees during the warmness part of the day. And that's enough that some of the snow had melted. Not all of it. I mean, it's still white everywhere you look. But I thought walking down where all my footprints had now become holes and you could see the ground through where my footprints had been in the snow, I thought, well, the snow is a lot wetter now and more passable. I think I could probably drive the truck all the way up to the cabin now and then drive down the steep part of the driveway and then go to the dam. And so I started the engine and I started moving it up a little bit and it wouldn't go, but I I rolled back. You know, I just pushed in the clutch, let the truck roll and then gave it gas again. And it it started to move. This time I got up, you know, about 20 feet before it got stuck. I was like, okay, that's fine. That's fine. I did it again. Went in reverse, rolled down, went into first gear again and started the truck up. This time I got it about 30 feet up. And let's say that it's 50 feet before you reach the cabin. It's probably farther than that, but let's, let's say 50 just easily. And so I did it two or three times where I would roll back and then get the momentum going forward and I would inch my way up a little bit and I almost made it to the cabin, almost, before I got stuck again. But this time, when I went into neutral, it didn't roll back down. When I went in reverse, it wouldn't roll back down. It seemed to be stuck. And I thought, well, this is strange. So I gunned the engine. I went really, really, really hard on it, knowing that, you know, you could drive right off the driveway if it suddenly catches and you go lurching back. And so I just, I just wanted it to move a tiny bit and it, it started to move. And then I shifted in to first and, and gunned the engine and it started to go forward. And then the back tire started to cut through the snow and into the gravel. And I started to feel it, it chewing through the gravel. And I'm like, okay, 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 come on, come on, you're almost there. And it started throwing gravel up into the wheel well, up behind me and up onto the roof of the truck. And I was like, holy cow, how is that even possible? So I stopped the engine and I got out to look. And what had happened was we had dug a trench in the driveway earlier in the summer. And my brother had filled it up with a backhoe with gravel. And somehow the tire had hit exactly where the trench was and it had dug itself into a hole, a hole that was about a foot and a half deep. And I was stuck. The truck was stuck in this hole and now it was almost dark. And I thought, how do I get out of this? Because there are a couple of options. One would be, I get a shovel and I dig like a trail 
behind the tire and hope that I can back out and it will drive on top of that trail instead of be stuck. Or maybe I could get a shovel and I fill in this hole that the truck has driven in and it will... I mean, now that I say it, that's a stupid idea. You fill in the hole and it's just going to spin in there or not be able to spin at all if you filled it too much. And I'm, I'm sure there's another option. seems like if you lay down wood or something like that so that the truck can, the tire can get on top of it rather than being in gravel, it might work. I've got a great big piece of cardboard that I, I was going to burn. Maybe I could lay that down and it will provide just enough of a base that the tire can get on top of it and not just be mired in this. It's, it's feet of gravel. The trench that my brother dug was six feet. Let's say six feet because that's what graves are. Anyway, it was dark and I was worried and I thought, okay, I'm going to leave this until tomorrow because the sun will come out again tomorrow. I've looked at the forecast or maybe I've just heard the song from Annie and it will melt more of this snow and maybe it will make life easier tomorrow. I'll just leave the truck where it is and at the end of the day, I will try and get it out and see if I'm okay. I, I, I did for a moment consider walking up to the dam and calling somebody, my Uncle John maybe, and asking what his advice is because I've gotten it stuck. You know, how do I get the tire unstuck? And I could still do that if I'm unable to get it out today. But for now, I'm just going to continue my day. I'm going to record a story. I'm going to write. And then... Uh, I will meet up with you again before it gets dark because, <laughs> oh gosh, if I have to hike up to the dam, I don't want to do that in the dark. So I'll do it fairly soon, actually, and I'll, I'll let you know what happens with the tire and maybe it will be exciting and maybe it will be like the bike thing and it will not be worth sharing with you, but we will find out together. Okay, so we are back. <laughs> Boy, this is exactly like the Lost Bicycle episode. I feel like I'm ripping you off. I didn't intend to. You know that, right? I'm leaving the cabin, and about an hour ago, I went out. Like I said, just in case I'd have to walk somewhere, I went out and I grabbed the shovel and I dug out a trench behind the hole that I had somehow gotten the truck stuck in. Wow, some of this road is still just snow. So I'm shifted back into first gear. Oh gosh, come on, come on, come on. We're making our way up the... Well, that's at least entertaining to you. <laughs> I dug a trench with the shovel and backed down a little ways and the tire went right out of the hole and I was safe. I turned the wheel very, very sharply 
and then went forward so that it wouldn't go back into the hole. I went around the hole and I didn't have any problem. In fact, just now, trying to go up the hill where the wheels were spinning and I wasn't really moving was the only drama of the day. <laughs> I, I feel like there's not any point in sharing this episode, except for that I, I can fill the time, right? I had a dream last night, or, or this morning it was. It was uh, before my alarm went off. It was one of those where my brain was sort of coming back awake. And so I had a lucid dream and my uncle was in it. And that's how I knew that it was a dream because he was alive. My uncle just passed away a couple of weeks back and... Um, Everybody around me didn't think that anything was strange and it occurred to me that this had to be a dream. And when I commented that he was still alive, people thought that that was funny. And the dream didn't last long after that, after the realization that I was dreaming. I, I think that's part of the lucid dreaming experience is you're, you're not entirely asleep anymore. And I woke up, my alarm still hadn't gone off, and so I had to fight with my computer for a little while. I blogged, I brushed my teeth, combed my hair, washed my face around the time that the alarm went off. So even though I was kind of lazy, for the cabin at least, I still got in a little bit of, of awake time before my alarm went off. And I kept thinking about my uncle. I thought about him. And I've done an episode, and it's already aired by this point, about him and about his funeral. And yet I, I was thinking today about how much he loved this job that he had where he was a radio DJ and how much his stories of being a radio DJ made me think, wow, I, could, I would like to do that. That sounds really great. I guess we were similar in that respect. In other respects, no. We were not similar. <laughs> it's funny, I mentioned this in the episode about him, where when I was driving to Vegas, where the funeral is being held, I thought, oh, you know, when I get there, I'm going to ask him about this thing. Uh, and then it came, it occurred to me that no, I wouldn't be asking him anything. And that just occurred to me again. When I was saying that about the radio, I thought, well, you know, the next time I see Len, I'll talk to him about how uh, inspired I was by his being a radio DJ and ask if he would like to podcast with me. So weird. Uh, and then I had to remind myself, no, there, there won't be any podcasting. Anyhow, I was thinking about that this morning about having a dream about him and how much he liked being a radio DJ and that he would have liked podcasting, I would think, quite a bit. And it never occurred to me once to sit down with him and say, hey, let's do a podcast together. And that's too bad. But something that Marshall Latham has been doing is he's been doing semi-weekly podcasts where he 
does like a little a mini podcast, a, a report on how he's been doing with his goals. He set some goals for the rest of the year. And now every two or three days he gets on and lets you know that he's actually doing it. And that inspired me. That that's That's great. It made me think that I ought to do that, to do like a, a daily podcast, maybe in the new year. And so I sat down and I recorded three of them today that were just, you know, about seven, eight, ten minutes each. One of them was about my lucid dream. And one of them was about my uncle's experience as a radio DJ. And and so, yeah, let me just do that little announcement here that uh, unless I change my mind, in which case you're not hearing this, I'm going to do some daily podcasts for the new year. Just for fun. Just to talk. It's something that I used to think about all the time doing. When I'd hear like a song on the radio and it had been a long time since I heard that song, I thought, boy. I would love to sit down and do a podcast just about that song. And it would only have to be 10 or 15 minutes long. Boy, that song means a lot to me. And I, I never did it. But if I were doing daily podcasts, I could. It's something I am going to work on. The sun is going down. It's still uh, a few minutes before sunset. I will be getting to town at the other side of the canyon around the time it gets dark. And that's fine. I, I always leave before it gets dark because of the deer. And I feel like that's a responsible thing to do. I don't know, about six weeks ago, five weeks ago. I don't know about that. <laughs> we had this big gathering up here. It was like a family thing. My siblings came up, except for my sister, who won't go to the cabin. I think I've mentioned that before. But we had this big gathering, and my uncle and his terrible kids were up here. Not the uncle that died. At this point, my uncle Len was already in the hospital, and we were talking about him. And at one point, my uncle's wife, who I've talked about a couple of times, said she had a headache. And so she was going upstairs someplace where she could be away from the kids. And the kids were being super loud. And there's a malevolence in one of the kids that when he knew that his mom had a headache, he decided to be louder and he wasn't going to give her any peace. Uh, they kept going upstairs to bother her. And my uncle was trying to entertain them down here, down here uh, on, on the main floor. He was telling stories, uh, talking about his childhood, and I found them very entertaining. He's a good storyteller as well. Uh, it must run in the family or something like that. It's something that I have in common with him and uh, with the older brother, with Len. And it started getting dark, and I said, yeah, you better take off before it gets dark because there are deer on the road and I'm always afraid of the deer. And he's just like, I'm not afraid of the deer. I'm not afraid of nothing. And I was like, Oh, okay. All right. And then, uh, it, it, it started getting dark and my mom said, Hey John, you better leave now because it's getting dark and it's hard to drive down the Canyon in the dark. Believe me. And I mean, I wouldn't do it. 
she's an older lady now, though. She doesn't like to drive at night at all. But John was just like, ah, well, when she comes downstairs, when her headache's gone, then we'll take off. But the hours went by. And it was later, uh, it was like 9 or 10 now at this point. And so the sun had long since set, and it was just pitch black outside. And the rest of us, we were all spending the night. And right now I'm driving down the canyon, and I've talked about it before, but it's worth repeating, that on one side, on my right side, there is just the side of a mountain. It's about 10 feet, 15 feet away, but there's not enough room to pull the vehicle over. It's just flush with the mountain. But on the other side, on the left side, is a cliff. It is a big, sharp drop-off of cliff. And I have always wondered why they don't build some kind of barrier or some something. And I guess the, the answer is because it would be costly or... I can't think of another reason. Just money seems to be the only reason why you wouldn't do something like that. It, it may also be that their reasoning is if a, a vehicle were to hit into that barrier, it wouldn't matter if that barrier was there. They would go through it. But I think about the drop-off from time to time. I think about, well, how many vehicles go off the edge of that every year. And I, I, I don't have an answer. But I, that same trip, we went to town to get some supplies, to get junk food and stuff. And when we were coming back, traffic was stopped on this canyon road. And we just waited and waited. And eventually a, uh, an ambulance came up and loaded up whatever it loaded up and, and, and came down. And then after that, traffic started to move very, very slowly. They had one of those deals where they had narrowed it to one lane and they would let a dozen cars go through and then they'd stop them and they'd let a dozen cars go through the other direction and they'd stop them. But finally, we got to where the, the wreck was and there was a pickup truck on the side of the road, blocking part of the downward lane. But that was it. There was just one vehicle. And a little while after we were past that, a helicopter, a life flight helicopter appeared. And it occurred to me that there was a reason there was only one vehicle. At one point, because we were stopped so long, a bunch of people just got out of their vehicles and they walked up there to where the accident was. And I saw a bunch of them looking down into the ravine. I never thought to ask them what they were looking at, but it occurred to me when I saw the helicopter where the other vehicle was. And it was chilling. It was um, frightening to me. It was upsetting to think about a car going down there. Like, even now, I can't see the bottom. <laughs> so, 9 or 10 o'clock comes around, and finally, John's wife comes down, and, and they, they leave. They head to civilization. And we stayed the next day. I think we stayed two days, actually. But uh, when we got back, 
I asked John, you know, hey, how was that drive? And he's like, oh, geez, there were deer all over the road. And he said it in this way, like it could not have been anticipated. Like what a freak accident. There were deer all over the road. But, you know, that's how he is and how life is. Right now I'm following a big, a truck with a big camper on it. One of those campers where you would uh, just be able to live. I'm sure it has a bathroom and beds and a stove. And nowadays, I guess you could have a computer or a TV, a laptop, something in there. That seems really nice. But they're going very, very slowly. And so I have to just ride my brake. I don't want to get too close to them. I hate the people that ride the bumpers that seem to be telling you, go, go, come on. You know, it just, the thing is, if the guy could go, he would go. He's not going slowly to irritate me. He's just trying to be safe and I don't disparage him anything. And there's almost nothing I hate more than the people that will ride your tail, especially at night when it's just blinding light in your rearview mirror. And I'm reminded of it because on the nights when I've driven home from the cabin, after the sun's gone down, I'm worried about the deer. The deer will cross. The deer will be standing on the side of the road. And then there was that time that there was an elk just standing in the middle of the road. And boy, that just chills my blood. It's scary. And the thought that this guy is driving behind me so close that if I were to hit something, if I were to have to slam on my brakes to, to keep from hitting something, there's no way he would be able to stop in time. He would plow right into me. And it would be one of those things where that was an avoidable accident. You chose to plow right into me. You allowed yourself to plow right into me because you were a dickwad, I guess. Anyhow, the, uh, the trailer has sped up now and I'm staring right into the sun. It's just at that level of my face before it goes down. And um, I guess I'll leave you. So, you know, consider this an announcement that I'm going to be doing daily podcasts in January. Feel free to support me on Patreon if you want to encourage me to do that kind of stuff. To I've decided today that I would put the first daily episode up on my blog and on Patreon, but all the other episodes will be on Patreon. But you can go to that place. You can go to patreon.com forward slash Rish Outfield and listen to the daily podcasts there, uh, even if you don't support me on Patreon. But I, it would be great if you did. Anyhow, uh, I know that this has been a less than spectacular episode. Hopefully I put something in there that was enjoyable. And if not, well, join me next time and maybe I'll have something of interest to say. Would you really rather that I had been stuck and I had to hike or that I was super frustrated or super scared and I can't get the, the truck out and what am I going to do? Boy, there's almost nothing worse than that. What am I going to do feeling? I hope you don't have to feel that for a good long time. I have been Rish Outfield. Good sunset.
Rish outcast has reached its end. For now, anyway. And on reflection, I suspect it was produced with some sort of Creative Commons license. Perhaps a non-commercial one. One with no derivatives, but with attribution also. It is my recommendation that you share this file, if you see fit, but do not try to sell it or change it or make alterations to it. If that goes well, perhaps you could contribute a dollar an episode or more to the Patreon fund attached to it over at www.patreon.com forward slash Rish Outfield to ensure that more episodes are produced. If that does not go well, I suggest you run. I'm going to try not to talk during this part because this is where it's really bumpy. The road again is not paved, it's just mud. And this is where I was going in first gear all yesterday. But here, I'm not in any gear at all. I'm just in neutral. It is downhill enough that I'm just rolling and I'm going 20 miles an hour. Uh, but once I hit paved road past the, uh, the little pond, then I can concentrate on podcasting and the sound shouldn't be quite as bad as it tends to be right here. <laughs> when the road gets really bad, it is a dirt road and you are grateful that you're in a truck, except for most of the time I'm in a little Toyota Corolla. Anyhow. <laughs> All right, now I'm on a paved road. Maybe I'll cut that out, maybe I'll leave it in. Uh, it's, hard to, it's hard to know what stuff to leave in and what to cut out, right? Hey guys, this is Rish. And fake Sean. Oh, hey, welcome back. Thank you. And, you know, I don't, I don't like to toot my own horn, but don't I... Don't listen to it. He does it all the time. He's like an adolescent chimpanzee. Uh, okay. Not a pretty sight. Yeah, th thank you. Uh, but do you remember, I, I guess it was the Lara and me episode. No, I don't remember that at all. I was asking the listeners, not you. Fine but they don't remember it either. Okay, well, it doesn't matter if you remember it or not. At the end of that episode, I did a fake Sean song. Uh, Would it help if I shed ah as well? I Knew You Were Trouble by Taylor Swift. No. And I, I went all out. I really, really focused on it. I put everything I had into Is it. Is this another masturbation reference? No. Uh, I just, I hadn't done a fake Sean song in a long time. Keep those angry emails coming, folks. So I, I, I tried to make it something special. So I did the regular track and then I did like the backup track. It, it's something that I always do, like the first two tracks, either one could be the main track and then I'll go in and maybe do like a playful one or a harmony one. But on this one, I just went back and I did a fourth track and I did a fifth track, and I really just, uh, what I wanted it to sound like was garbage, refuge, rubbish, 
No, no, none of those things. You know the um, the Los Angeles Gay Men's Choir? Intimately. Right, well, I, I wanted it to be like that. I wanted, or, or, or maybe a barbershop quartet or something like that. I just, I wanted, I wanted there to be like harmonies and I wanted to play around with it and do like little echoes and stuff. I, and so <laughs> I really entertained myself with that. Rish, yeah. You realize you don't qualify for the Los Angeles Gay Men's Choir. Right. That, 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 that is true. Because you no longer live in Los Angeles. Thank you. Anyhow, what I wanted to do... <laughs> when I finally put the music in... God. Blow that nose. Punch the keys. Stop that. Oh, okay. And so when I finally put the musical track in, after like doing the mixing... I, Was that a racial slur? No. Okay, maybe. I put the musical track in and it lessened the acapella effect of the whole thing. And it just, I, I, I was torn between homophobia and coming out of the closet. No, no, stop, dude. I'm going to get letters. That's the intent. Uh, um, now I flushed at him. <laughs> Please stop. The, uh, I'm just going to ignore him. I was torn between <laughs> just putting it out with no music and the, the, you know, the, 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 the underscore. I don't know if you call that undercarriage more likely. Stop. So I put it out the one way, but then after I had published it, I was like, darn, you would say darn. I wish I had done it the other way. Another gay ref. Stop it, please. Listen, I'm, I, I'm neither gay nor having any problems with the gays. Oh, and they love it when you call them the gays. No, maybe I was saying G-A-Z-E. Yes, I'm sure. How did we get on this? I don't know. I'm just a figment of your bloody imagination. I don't know about that. Oh no, he's right. Okay, uh, just don't say anything mean for one more minute. One more, starting the countdown now. So I wanted to put out I know it's indulgent, but I wanted to put out the, just the acapella version with no musical accompaniment. And, and maybe you'll appreciate it. Oh, he, he really isn't saying anything. And maybe you won't. And, and if you dislike the Taylor Swift song, then you might want to just skip. Oh, there's no one who dislikes Taylor Swift, Rish. Morbidly obsessed with her, more like. Wait, you said you were going to say anything. I wasn't going to say anything mean. Oh, okay, that's fair. I'm kind of obsessed with Taylor Swift. I can't watch her videos, though. What, what, what do you think? Because what, she prances around and pretends to be something that she's not. And it's so Hollywood that it turns your stomach. Is that it? Is that what it is? I don't know. I don't know. Oh, great. Now you're doing it. <laughs> uh, folks, if you hate his little drops whenever someone says, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know! Feel free to send letters about that as well. I'm glad you're enjoying yourself. Yes, as soon as you hit stop, I'm sure you will enjoy yourself as well. If, if you, you know, know what, what I, I mean. mean. Right. Okay. You may not enjoy it, but I did want to put that out there. And if you can, please do enjoy. Thank you. Thank you. Once upon a time, a few mistakes ago, I was in your sights. You got me alone. You found me. 
You found me. You found me. I guess you didn't care, and I guess that I liked that. And when I fell hard, well, you took a step back. Without me, without me, without me. And he's long gone when he's next to me. And I realize the place is on me. Cause I knew you were trouble when you walked in. So shame on me now flew me to places that I'd never been. Till you put me down. Oh, I knew you were trouble when you walked in. So shame on me now flew me to places I'd never been. Now I'm lying on the cold hard ground. Oh, oh. Trouble, 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 oh, oh, trouble, 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 no apologies, he'll never see you cry, pretend he doesn't know that he's the reason why, you're drowning, you're drowning, you're drowning. Now I heard that you moved on from whispers on the street, I knew notching your belt is all I'll ever be, and now I see. Now I see, now I see, he was long gone when he met me, and I realized the joke is on me, yeah, I knew you were trouble when you walked in, so shame on me now flew me to places that I'd never been. Tell you put me down, oh, I knew you were trouble when you walked in. So shame on me, now flew me to two places I'd never been. Now I'm lying on the cold hard ground, oh, oh, trouble, 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 oh, oh, trouble, 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 the saddest fear comes creeping in that you never loved me or her or anyone or, anyone, or, anything. or anything yeah I knew you were trouble when you walked in so shame on me now flew me to places I've never been till you put me down oh I knew you were trouble when you walked in knew it right there so shame knew it right now flew me to places I've never been now I'm lying on the cold hard ground oh trouble 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 oh Trouble, 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 I knew you were trouble when you walked in. Trouble, 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 I knew you were trouble when you walked in. Trouble, trouble, trouble.